Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. If you've not already paid the price for revival, you will pay the price for revival. Whether it be in a congregation of people or whether it be your own individual revival, revival never comes without a price. Amen. The point I'm trying to make is what price are you willing to pay, amen, in order for your own revival to take place in your life? What price are you willing to pay in order for revival to break out in your family? What price are you willing to pay in order for revival to break out in our city? somebody needs to hear what I'm saying today because you feel like nothing's ever going to get better you feel like you've done something so wrong that not even God can forgive you and you've been holding God at bay because your own conviction your own guilt has swallowed you up and you feel like God can't do anything with you but if you'll change the way you feel and you'll allow God to come into your cell room God can unlock the door and he can walk you out God can get you out of the prison that you've been living in God bless you today grab your Bibles let's get into the word of the Lord today amen I am thrilled about what we're going to do immediately following service some of you are here today to be a part of that. Amen. Uh, watch these two young men be baptized in the name of Jesus. But now it's time for the word. You have worshiped today. And uh, I, I pray that you will not leave me hanging uh, as I preach to you the word, but that you will get involved in this message today. The message in certain ways is for everyone. Every message in some way touches everyone. But I believe that today that there are specific people that God has brought here. Uh, I don't know who you are. I'm not trying. It's such a, so much less of a burden if I don't know who it is I'm preaching to. Occasionally I do. But for the most part, I just, I'd rather be ignorant of who the word is for and how God chooses to speak to people therefore I have a no preconceived ideas of how it should go but I, I want you to prepare your heart as we pray over this message today just to receive it maybe it's something small maybe it's something great that the Lord is trying to speak to you with but God's word promises that it will never come back void and I take great great I have a great love for that scripture because I know that no matter how I deliver it. Sometimes I'll deliver what I feel is a flop, and I, without fail, as people come up and say, "Brother, that's just what I needed." How did you know? And uh, and I just have to tell them I had no idea. Thank you very much. Either the Lord really took what I used, uh, what I what I delivered, and and changed it, or there's a few people just feel so bad for for me, you know, uh, and say, "Better encourage him so he don't leave." So. Whatever the case, you make me feel better, and, and God is in his word. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Ever since a church has been born, 
there have been those that have dedicated their lives to vexing the church. Now, I'm not talking about a, a church that's got no power. They, they leave those folks pretty much alone. But if there's something moving, something shaking, if there's revival starting, you better believe that you're going to be on the devil's radar and he's got his people working to vex you. The Bible says he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending that after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. Everybody say that, kept in prison. He didn't get out right away. The Bible says he was kept in prison. And prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands, and the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. I've titled this message today a message that will make several in this congregation probably a little uncomfortable. It might make you squirm. You see, we have a few prison guards that work in the prison a few miles away from here that attend this church and so this is a word they a couple of words they hope never to hear but I've entitled this message today jailbreak jailbreak brother Hogan that's something you don't want to hear is it He's one of the supervisors down here. And if you hear the alarms go off and the, the sirens begin to sound, the lights begin to flash, I don't know what all goes on. But you hear somebody say jailbreak, I guarantee you, you're going to jump to attention very quickly. Jailbreak. And God bless you today. You may be seated. I hope that somebody has come today intending to be set free from some things. I've never been in prison before, and everybody go, whoo. <laughs> kind of hard to get voted in as pastor if you just spent the last 20 years doing your stint of time. I've never been to prison. I've never been in jail, actually. I've been through jails, but I've never, they say the sound of that door closing behind you is life-altering, life-changing. I've never had to, to hear that sound when I've been the one behind the bars you know I about the closest thing I got was this last week and I I got a speeding ticket um, a couple of months ago and 
when I was getting the ticket, it was early in the morning and it was dark outside and they asked for my insurance card and I opened up my glove compartment box and reached in there right where I always keep it right on top and I pulled it out and I handed it to him. He said, no, this one's expired. I said, what? No. And so I reached in, I grabbed another one. I said, how about this one? He said, no, that one's even older. I said, how about this one? He said, no, that one. He finally said, just bring it to court when you come. I searched and looked high and low. I always keep my cards right there on top. What I didn't know was that being dark like that, when I opened up my glove compartment box, that being setting, uh, setting right on top of everything, that when I opened up my glove compartment box, it bounced a little bit, and that card must have flittered out, and I found it once it got daylight later on that day, and I said, I've got to find this card. I went to the passenger side, opened it up, and there it sat. It had fallen and flittered right down between the passenger seat and the passenger side door of my car. And because of that, I had to go to court. And I, I couldn't just pay the fine and move on about my business. And so this past week, I, I pulled the paper out, and it said the state of Illinois versus Doug Rice. And that shook me up enough right there. I, I started sweating a little bit. Right there, and, and, and so I, I walked into the courtroom and got in line. The, the sheriff was there, and he was, he was rather the grumpy sort. Now, the guy that gave me the ticket was really nice. He was very kind, but, but this guy was dealing with a whole herd of people, and he was pushing us all down. You know, he said, I want you to move down. Get up against the wall. And I, I thought, man, I didn't know you had to get, a, get in a lineup just to go to court. You know, I felt like I was going to be fingerprinted and everything. And so they herded us all in the courtroom, and I sat in there with a lot of people. I went in dressed just like this minus the tie. I mean, when I go to court, I go looking nice. I didn't realize that I'd be mistaken three times to be a lawyer. I could have made a little side money on, on the... Uh, so I'm sitting in there. The guy sitting next to me just smelled like he had just come from the brand new Illinois State approved CBD dealers. I mean, I, I thought to myself, man, where's this guy been? He is reeking of that stuff. I mean, I, I, and then the thought crossed my mind, that smell's going to get on me. Then I'm going to go up there to pay my ticket. And then it dawned on me, that's okay. It's legal in Illinois now. So I'm, I'm safe. You know, I was going through all these emotions, and as you're sitting there with all these people, you know, some of them look like they just rolled out of bed. Some of them look like they, they hadn't been to bed yet. So, you know, I thought, th this is wild, you know. But I, it, realized, it made me begin to think, what would I do if I ever got put in prison? I'd get, I'll tell you what I decided right then and there. I would do my best to break out. If you were going to keep me more than a week, I'm not staying. I'm going to figure a way to make a jailbreak. Hopefully that never happens. I kind of had a little chuckle as I was putting this message together, thinking about all the times in the Bible where you begin to think about it and study it and read on it a little bit. God provided for his people more than just one jailbreak. There was a lot of times when things looked bad, when things looked critical, and Peter is sitting in the prison cell right here, but God's got other things in mind. Amen. He's been in the midst of a revival, and there's something about revival that brings out both the best and the worst in people. 
I've always said that strong preaching will feed the hungry, but it will also irritate the half-hearted. You're either going to have a revival or a riot when you're in the midst of preaching the good, strong, anointed word of God. But let me tell you something, honey. If I got to choose, I'm going to preach till revival comes. It may start a riot or two, but revival is worth the cost, no matter what that cost might be. They're in the midst of revival here. Stirring up every devil in town. It's got the sanctimonious and pious religious people all angry all the way up to the king whose name was Herod. This thing is moving. As a matter of fact, it's right here where I just read, if you'll just read a a few scriptures before this text, where they are first coined with their name. And for the first time ever, they know what they're going to call these radical Jesus people that are following Christ. The Bible says for the first time ever, they called them Christians. They labeled them. It was more than just a handful of people. It was more than just 12 men that were going around trying to create something new. This thing had legs now. This thing was changing people. This thing was causing people's lives to be transformed. Somebody had to get a handle on this. This needed to be shut down. It's stirring things up. Revival always comes with a price. If you've not already paid the price for revival, you will pay the price for revival. Whether it be in a congregation of people or whether it be your own individual revival, revival never comes without a price. Amen. The point I'm trying to make is what price are you willing to pay, amen, in order for your own revival to take place in your life? What price are you willing to pay in order for revival to break out in your family? What price are you willing to pay in order for revival to break out in our city? Sometimes I ask myself that question, and if I'm honest with myself, it scares me a little bit. Because we like our creature comforts. Life is busy and We live in a land where we are blessed and we have our annoyances, we have our problems, we have things, but but what sacrifices am I really willing to make in order for revival to break out in this city? You see, James had already been killed by Herod and now Herod has commanded that Peter be thrown into prison with the intention of doing the same to him. Herod saw that it pleased the Jews so much that he decided, I'll tell you what, we're going to make this happen and we're going to make sure that Peter doesn't escape. I mean, that's what's caused all this problem in the first place. We put Jesus, who they claim to be the Messiah, in a tomb and put some guards. We've already had one jailbreak. We can't afford another jailbreak. The first jailbreak has created this entire problem that's on our hands now. So I'm going to put four quaternions of soldiers. That was 16 men, 16 soldiers to guard one man. This isn't Samson we're talking about. This is Peter. Now, I'll give you Peter. Peter had a violent side to him. He's the one that lopped off the ear. 
I mean, you got to kind of keep an eye on this dude. He, he's a little on the edge. I mean, he's a follower of Christ, but don't mess with his homie or he'll pull his sword out and he'll make you lopsided on one side of your head. So they put 16 guards around him to watch him. They've got him between two guards at all time. They've double chained him. They've got men that are outside guarding the door. Wow, they're saying, you're not getting away, son. You're stuck here. Don't even think about it. There's no way that Peter is getting loose. He's locked up tight. He's guarded well. He's in chains. Why even try? So Peter does the only thing that he can do. He falls asleep. Peter must have had a little bit of my blood in him. You can fall asleep anywhere. I found out that by the time I hit the age of 52, I can be in the middle. Last Christmas, we had 30-some people in the living room uh, of my wife's uh, parents' home. And, and this is not a quiet crowd. We don't all sit around having quiet little one-on-one -on -one conversations. We all talk over each other. Anybody else got a family like that? You got some Greek blood back in your background there somewhere where you, you just try to over-talk the other one? Uh, Uncle Joe's loud, so I got to be louder than Uncle Joe. The only problem is, is, is Uncle Matt needs to be louder than me. And so this, it's just this volcanic conversation that's erupting everywhere. You've been there. You know what it's like. And in the midst of all of that, it's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I've just finished up three of the toughest weeks of the year working at FedEx. And I've got my feet kicked up, and I'm sawing the Z's over in the corner, and everybody else is just going haywire. Peter is probably nearing the end of his life, or so it would seem. He, he, even he knows that James didn't escape. And yet, in the midst of all that, Peter is chained and guarded and in prison, and he falls asleep. But while he's sleeping, the Bible says that prayers were being made. That there were some folks that weren't giving up just yet. There were some folks in a prayer meeting. That the Bible says that it wasn't just a 10-minute prayer, but they were making prayer without ceasing. As I read that, I began to take notice of the way that that was worded. They were making prayer. I like the way that that states that prayer was being made. Something was being put together. Something was being formulated piece by piece and prayer by prayer. Let me tell you, don't ever think that God is not working on your behalf when you pray and nothing seems to be happening because every word that comes out of your mouth, God is listening to. And while he's listening to those words that you and others of you like you are praying, God is formulating something. As you make prayer, God's making plans. And as you pray, God is taking your prayers and he's formulating a plan for a jailbreak such as you've never seen before. When we pray, God works. Peter's locked up. He can't get out on his own. He's not capable of escape. It's not humanly possible. But God's putting together a jailbreak that's going to go down in the history books. And by the end of this night, 
the night before Peter's to be handed off to the Jews for them to do whatever they decide to do with him. By the end of this night, everybody's going to know whose side God is on. And there's times when you find yourself locked away in a prison. You'll find yourself guarded by the enemy. You'll find yourself in chains and in bondage. And you begin to pray. Don't you fear, honey, because God's putting together a plan of your escape. God is attempting to give you a plan for you to have a jailbreak. God's not intended for you to stay locked up. Not intending for you to stay chained up. God is offering you a chance to escape the bondage that you are in. If you'll simply just hang on and begin to give him something he can work with. Keep praying. Keep praying. Prayer is the key to breaking out of the prisons that have a hold on our lives. Doesn't matter how long that you've been locked away and it doesn't matter what you may be doing time for. It doesn't matter what you've been convicted of in the past. If you will let God in, God can let you out. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying today because you feel like nothing's ever gonna get better. You feel like you've done something so wrong that not even God can forgive you and you've been holding God at bay because your own conviction, your own guilt has swallowed you up and you feel like God can't do anything with you but if you'll change the way you feel and you'll allow God to come into your cell room God can unlock the door and he can walk you out God can get you out of the prison that you've been living in Peter had fallen asleep I don't know maybe he was exhausted maybe he'd given up hope After what he had seen happen to James, I really don't know. But I know that while he was sleeping, somebody was praying. Sometimes you feel like you're all alone. Well, they don't know what it feels to be here. They're not in prison here with me. But just because they're not locked in with you doesn't mean that there aren't people that are praying for you, people that are holding you up, people that are praying to God. God, make a way where there seems to be no way. God, you're the God that makes the impossible possible. There's no chains that can keep God out of your prison cell if you decide to let him in. But don't be surprised that once you let him in, that he doesn't begin to loosen a few things on you, that he doesn't have to wake you up and tell you it's time to go, it's time to get out out of here. I've got some work for you to do. I've got some things you need to see. I've got some things you need to say. God has a plan for you. And if you'll let him in, he'll give you the jailbreak that you're looking for. Peter's asleep and the angel walks in. He's been dispatched by God. (laughs) Peter's sleeping over between the two guards. I don't know what the guards are doing. The Bible doesn't really tell us. I don't know if they they fell asleep, they got knocked out, they just couldn't see the angel. I don't know what was going on, but the angel walks over to Peter and says, hey, 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 Pete. Pete. He looks around, nobody else. Peter, come on. Get up. Peter's out like a light. He must have taken some of that Dramamine that you feed those kids to the trip. 
He was worn out. He was exhausted. He wasn't waking up. So the angel finally, the Bible says, smites him on the side. Gives him a kidney shot. I said, get up. Get dressed. I'm here to get you out. Let me, let me, let me just tell you something that I've observed. A lot of people fall asleep when God is there trying to get them out of their prison cell. Spiritually, they're asleep. Don't ever fall asleep, amen, when you're in prison cell. That's when you're to stay vigilant. You're just to stay sober, amen, stay alert, amen. The adversary may have you surrounded, but God has a way of coming in. Don't make him wake you up out of your slumber to get you out of your prison, but be there watching and waiting for him because God can send an angel or a man of God or a voice of God or God himself can come and cause those chains to fall off of you. Don't be caught asleep when it's time to break out of jail. It wasn't until Peter was through every door and down the street that he realized that this wasn't just a dream. He'd been set free. There's times when we think that anything other than the prison cell we're living in is nothing more than a dream. We can't even picture the fact that God could set us free. It's hard to put real solid faith in something that you think is just a dream. Peter's had been woke up by an angel, told to get dressed. I mean, it's kind of like your little kids, you know, okay, Johnny, time to go to school, get up. I don't want to get up, you know. Johnny, you need to get up. You're going to be late. Okay, and Johnny stands up, and he's just standing there. You're like, okay, time to get dressed now, Johnny. You know, put your socks on, put your pants on. Let's get your shirt on. He's got his eyes. This This is Peter's story here. He's having to be told every move to make. You would think that he would have been excited to get out. When I would see an angel, I would be wide awake. But Peter has an angel visit him in prison trying to help him escape. And he can't even wake up and enjoy the moment. He thinks he's dreaming. Chains fall off. He's got his clothes. I don't know. The the doors open up. He walks out. He's out on the street, walking down the street, a free man with this angel by his side. When he finally admits to himself that this is more than just a dream. I can relate to that to a certain degree because I can remember a time a long time ago when I was locked in a prison. It wasn't a prison of gray bars and concrete. It was a prison that was inside of me, something I couldn't escape on my own, something I needed the hand of God to begin to uh, to deal with me on. There were some things that I couldn't get out. There was no possible way, and yet God took a young man, and he said, I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. My blood covers you, and sometimes I still feel like I'm waking up from a dream saying, God, this is better than I ever dreamed it could be. God living for you and loving you and and walking with you is the greatest thing I could ever experience. This is greater than any dream I could ever fathom. Not every jail is concrete and bars. 1921, Lewis Laws takes the job at a as the warden at 
Sing Sing Prison. It was said that no prison was tougher than Sing Sing during that time. But some 20 years later, when Warden Laws retired, that prison had changed from just a common, tough prison into a humanitarian institution. See, Lewis Laws believed that anyone could be reformed. He treated every prisoner, and it was the toughest of the tough, the meanest of the mean, rapists and murderers and all sorts of sinful lifestyles were represented in that prison. And yet, Mr. Laws would treat each one of them with respect to the point that he called them his boys. More than 300 executions, he was the overseer too, even though he was very much against the death penalty. And it was said that every time one of those inmates was executed, that he felt a personal loss as if he was losing one of his own family members. At the end, when he was asked about the transformation of the prison, here's what he said. I owe it all to my wonderful wife, Catherine, who was buried just outside of the prison walls of that notorious prison. Catherine Laws was a young mother with three small children when her husband first became warden over that prison. And everybody warned her from the beginning that don't ever set one foot inside of those prison walls, Mrs. Law. It's a place where the worst of humanity is incarcerated. Don't even go near it. And yet, when they had their first prison basketball game, she went walking into the gym with her three beautiful small children. She didn't sit in a a box that was all for her that would keep her safe, some safe haven, some room locked away with a window where she could still see the activities and the game that was being played. But she sat in the stands with her children right in the middle of all of the inmates that were there. She was said to have said this, my husband and I are going to take care of these men and I believe that they will take care of me and I don't have to worry. She would come in and get acquainted with different ones in the prison. She found one that was blind and she asked him if he understood and knew how to read Braille. And he said, what's Braille? And so she herself went and learned Braille and taught this blind incarcerated man how to read. She found another that was a deaf mute and she went out and learned sign language in order to be able to communicate with him. Many of those inmates said that Catherine Laws was the body of Jesus Christ that came alive again in Sing Sing. 
when she was tragically killed in a car accident. The next morning, Mr. Laws didn't show up for work. He was at home taking care of the funeral arrangements. and The inmates knew something was wrong, but they were locked up. They were in prison. They couldn't just hop in their car, walk down the street, the few blocks to the Laws' home there where, where the warden lived. They, they, they couldn't make a phone call. They, they all gathered around the front gate of that prison, and they just stood there, and knowing something was wrong, something wasn't quite right. And the assistant warden came and took over that day. He noticed that all of them were gathered around that front gate of that prison. The following day, her body was being laid to rest in a casket in her home just a short way from the prison. As the acting warden took his early morning walk, he was shocked to see a crowd of the toughest, hardest-looking criminals gathered like a herd of animals at that main gate. He came closer. The closer he got, the more that he could tell that they were emotional. Those hardened criminals were standing there having heard the news that the beloved Catherine Laws had lost her life. And tears rolled down their face and they felt the grief and the loss of losing someone who cared so much about them. It was at that moment that the assisting warden made a decision that I think probably most would think was insane. He looked at those men and he said, all right, you can go. You can attend the funeral and pay your respects. Just be sure and check back in tonight. With that, he opened the gates of the prison and he let those men walk down the three quarters of a mile stretch of road to pay their respects to a woman that all of them had loved. The amazing thing was every single one of them, when it was over, checked back in. Their bodies were still susceptible to the justice system. But Catherine Laws had helped them be free on the inside from what Satan told them they would always be. Somebody believed in them and somebody trusted them and somebody showed them some respect. Somebody cared enough 
knowing that they would never step foot outside of that prison cell. And Catherine Law, she said, just because there are prisoners behind these gates and these bars and there are men up on those towers with rifles pointed down upon them and barbed wire all over the place and lights and sirens, and if any one of them would try to escape, they'd probably lose their life. They're here, and most of them are here for their entire lifetime, but just because they are physically contained in this prison does not mean that they have to remain contained within their spirit and their soul and she taught them how to make the greatest jailbreak that they could ever make and that was when they gave their heart to Jesus Christ amen there's some things that you may never escape from there's some things of your past that may follow you for the entirety of your life but let me tell you today there's something in the name of Jesus that can set the inside of you free. Your soul does not have to remain in bondage. Amen. Your life does not have to remain in bondage. There's some things that may follow you in this life, but your spirit can be set free by the blood and the power of Jesus Christ. Asking for our music to come today. It's hard for our minds to comprehend Oh, I can still remember. I'm on this side of those prison bars now. I can remember a man that came to this church several years ago. He had the tattoos all over his face, his arms. Not just regular tattoos. It didn't say mom. They were prison tattoos. He'd spent decades, most of his life had been spent in prison. He got out and he came to this church and we, we were wary. I'll just be honest, you know, we, I think we'd be wise as, you know, serpents and harmless as doves. I think it is good for us to be aware. But we... We loved him and we prayed with him. We talked with him and we encouraged him. And he was having a little bit of a tough time. But then he got a little bit of a break and he, he had a place to stay. And he was, he was working here and there, making a little bit of money. And he was, he was trying to, he was getting along okay. And I, I began to, to think about, you know, what his life could be. I thought maybe, maybe, maybe he can make, make a go of it here. And I began to be encouraged and encourage him. But there was something inside of his mind. He couldn't fathom and handle the idea of being free. Just a couple weeks later, the man that had allowed him to rent a room down in his basement man who had befriended him and trusted him man who was helping him he stole that man's car and took off driving erratically to get police officers attention he drove across county lines he was breaking different laws as he was doing it then he ran that car into a ditch he didn't have to do that. He could have easily gotten away. 
he was starting to establish some good patterns but in his mind he couldn't deal with the idea that he was cut out to be free that he paid his time paid for his crime I dare say that today years later he's back in the prison system again because it's what he knew best and I fear that sometimes we are like that we can't picture a life of spiritual freedom and we begin to taste a little bit of it and we see the responsibility that goes along with being free because being free doesn't mean that you're free of responsibilities accountabilities we get fearful of the expectations that God is desiring from us that go along with freedom and we just turn around and we do something crazy something nobody's forcing us to do something that doesn't make any sense but it throws us right back into the same old prison system that we were set free from. Would you stand with me today? There might be someone here. This word is resonating with you right now as we speak. And you're still finding it difficult to think that your life can be any different any better than what it is right now because you're thinking of all the mistakes you've made you're convicting yourself you're sentencing yourself well if that's the case just know this while you're sleeping I'm going to be praying while you're sleeping and you're locked and you're bound I'm going to be making prayer and seeing if God can't figure out a way to unlock the prison that is in your mind if he's got to wake you up somehow He's got to jolt you if he has to smite you to get you to wake up. If he has to take you by the hand and walk you down the street himself before you realize that you're free. Then God do what needs to be done because there's nothing greater than breaking free from the prison cell that sin has on your life. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. 
Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.